Welcome to the Relentless Forward Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Jungling. Um, back in May, I uh, took on a challenge. I was, uh, uh, I'm in the process of raising funds for a group called Pelotonia. And if you're not familiar with what Pelotonia is, you should first of all, you should check it out at pelotonia.org. Um, but what Pelotonia is, is it's, uh, it's a three-day cycling event that in nine years has raised over $150 million for cancer research, 100% of which goes to cancer research. They're due to a unique um, corporate structure. They are financed by some big companies. That means that all donations get to go to cancer research. Um, I've personally been a patient at the uh, hospital that in Columbus, Ohio, that has benefited from some of this research. And um, during my second cancer diagnosis, this is where I went to get consultation, one of the places I went to get consultation and treatment. Um, and so, you know, battling cancer, fundraising, raising awareness, all these things are really important. And that's why we're, I'm doing the fundraising with a group of people from here in Mississippi and from elsewhere in the country. We've all committed to do the ride in August, anywhere from 35 to 200 miles over two days. And um, we've all pledged to raise an amount of money kind of corresponding to how far we're going to ride. Um, and a few weeks ago, uh, as some of you may remember, I did a I did a hundred mile week, which for me is a lot of miles in a week. Um, and I did it as a fundraiser. And on the last day, I had 22 miles left, and uh, it was going to be tough. The weather had turned extremely hot. I was very dehydrated and tired. And my friend Bobby, who is actually a coaching client of mine, but more importantly a friend, um, came out to run with me. And Bobby about four or five years ago, had lost his mother to colon cancer. And um, we dedicated that run to her um, in her honor. And it was powerful. It was powerful. And so, you know, colon cancer screening is so important. Cancer awareness is so so important. And that's why I do the fundraising for Pelotonia. It's an amazing organization. But that's also why this podcast is sponsored by GI Associates. And GI Associates is one of the largest gastroenterology clinics in the southeastern United States. It's here in Mississippi with three locations. Um, and more importantly, they care about people. They care about the community. And, um, you know, as you may remember, we put on a big 5K that raised nearly $6,000 for a, uh, the colon cancer initiative um, uh, here in Mississippi. And so, you know, when Bobby and I were out running that day and we dedicated that to his mom, it just, it just reminded me of the importance of getting your colon screening and taking care of yourself. So if you were eligible for a colonoscopy, um, which probably means if you're Caucasian, you're 50, if you're African-American, 45, or if you have a family history of colon cancer, you can get um, your screening done now. So it's really important. If you want to do that, just visit uh, www.gi.md, request an appointment, call them, just tell them Jeremy sent you, and uh, they'll get you taken care of. Um, little announcement, um, on the next couple podcast episodes you're going to hear, I actually have three upcoming. Two of them are going to be interviews with guests, and uh, I think you're going to be really excited. So if you, uh, I'll give you a, a little preview um, one of them, one of the guests is a, one of the world's greatest mountaineers. And when I say that, I am not exaggerating. Uh, he is one of only um, nine people who have ever summited both Everest and K2, which are the tallest, two tallest mountains in the world. Um, he has incredible stories of survival, of, uh, of risk. Um, he's, a, he's a leader. 
um, does leadership uh, talks, and he owns climbing gyms throughout the United States. His name is Chris Warner. He actually guided us up Kilimanjaro, which for him is a walk in the park. But uh, in a couple weeks, he's going to join me on the uh, program. And then after that is a guy named Chris Waddell, who I think you're really going to enjoy. He's a Paralympic gold medalist, um, really well-renowned public speaker, and was actually named uh, People Magazine's one of the 50 most beautiful people um, a few years ago, and is an amazing dude. So I got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the podcast. Speaking of which, today's guests, I had two. Um, our Mike McElroy, who is kind of becoming not necessarily a guest, but kind of a um, periodic, uh, you know, co-host, guest guest co-host, we'll call him. And then our other friend, Monty Young, joined us for a little bit today. And Monty is a uh, local triathlete, two-time Ironman um, from this area, has a lot of good insight. He's he's uh, He had some good things to say. But um, So Mike and I talked a lot about today about nutrition and kind of some of the myths and some of the confusion surrounding nutrition, how it can affect your performance, how it can um, affect your self-esteem. You know, we didn't get into, say, meal planning and stuff like that, but we did kind of break down some of the confusing things around nutrition. We also talked about the results of my nutrition experiment that I've been doing for the last couple months, and uh, you'll hear quite a bit about that. So I think it's a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. And again, thanks for listening to the uh, podcast. Uh, Subscribe on iTunes um, or on Podbean. And uh, that's it. So, hope you enjoy the program. Thanks for listening. Got to run. All right, we are live. So, Mike was talking uh, um, off air about you're supposed to drink your own urine. There's a boxer that does that. This is the way to start a podcast. I can't remember who it is. uh, Who's the, the. Lightweight, I mean, everybody would know who he is. Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, I think he drinks his own pee. So, uh, so everybody, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this welcome is Jeremy, and I'm sitting here with Mike McElroy, and we have a special guest today. Uh, we'll call him the producer. You may hear his voice occasionally, but his name is Monty Young. He's a um, locally recognized triathlete. Does he produce it? I thought you produced it. He re- well, I do too, but he just needs a title. Okay. Go ahead and set the expectations low from out. See, he's trying to talk quietly because <laughs> he, does, he doesn't like the sound of his own voice. So when you hear the quiet guy, that'll be producer Monty in the back. But anyway, so who, so who drinks their own urine? I Floyd believe it's for I may be wrong about that, but there is a boxer that does it. I know. So we have why a... Don't we, why don't you be the... Uh, yeah, I'll be you're the... You're supposed to look it up. Yeah, you're the producer. Yeah, I'm the... Fact checker. Yeah, fact checker. But so, uh, Mike, how are things? You've had, you know, last time you were on, I think you had just kind of sold your gym gym, and moved on. How are things going there? Man, things are good. We, my family has been on the coast in Gulfport for the whole month. You appear Uh, to be on a, just a long term. (laughs) You appear to have sold your gym and just gone on vacation. Yeah, pretty much. No, uh, it's, we've got, we're lucky to have a good setup down there. Her parents have a, a little second house that's a two bedroom. It's got a kitchen and laundry room, so we've set up shop down there. And Reagan hadn't been back at all during June, um, so I've got a. He's got an office downstairs that I can kind of get away in and go to work. So. Are you going to be good. moving away from no. us anytime soon? No. It did. It did cross our minds, but no. We're going to stay up here. Oh, good. You're just going <laughs> to split your time between. No, we're gonna we'll be up here back in July, but 
we are going to plan on every every year hopefully trying to get down there for a month or so kids can you know they got which i think they have sailing stuff up here at the reservoir too but i don't think it's the same they got sailing camp and stuff down there and just cool things for the kids to do down there that'd be fun i'm not a sailor i'm not either but reagan's family is Monty, did you find out who, which boxer? Yeah, it was someone who fought uh, okay. Mayweather. <clears throat> he lost. <laughs> so yeah. apologies to Floyd Mayweather if Juan you're listening. Manuel yeah. Marquez. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. I've heard of him. Yeah, that's, uh, he was a, I knew he was a good <clears throat> boxer. But. but he did that, yeah, in preparation. For so the way we came up on drinking your own <laughs> urine was we were having a conversation about vitamins. vitamins. Yeah. And one of the topics we want to talk about today was nutrition, my nutrition experiment, which we I thought would branch into some nutrition topics. But what we all realize is none of us are Experts registered dietitian, nutritionists. Like all we can talk about is kind of our own experiences or what we've seen other people do. Yep. So Mike's next plan apparently is going to be to take a whole bunch of vitamins, which would make expensive urine, and then he's going to drink that urine. Well, no, if it's expensive, I'll take a bunch of vitamins, make the urine, then sell it. I'll sell your own. Urine. <laughs> oh, what, would you call it? what would be the name of it? <laughs> I don't know. Magic Mike's fluid. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a terrible name. Yeah. That is a oh, terrible, like terrible it. name. Yeah. yeah. It could be. That's all interpreted. <laughs> but so what we were going to talk about a little bit was uh, we're getting on. We're having a can't get on topic. This is what happens when Monty shows up. Everything goes awry, but. If you listen to some previous podcasts, what I had a plan back in May. I think I when did I start that early? Or it, I started in mid-April. You mentioned it on the last podcast. I don't know if you had started then or not. I think I started in mid-April, and then it never it hasn't really ended. But you know what the the concept was? I I've I've just for you if you haven't listened if you haven't heard me talk about this before. What I want to do is kind of a nutrition experiment. I had never focused on nutrition. In training, I, I've tried about everything I can with running and strength training, not everything, but a lot of things to try to improve performance, but I've kind of been stagnated for a while. So I really thought the next frontier in my personal fitness was going to be some kind of major nutrition overhaul, some way to use nutrition to manipulate my body composition, my weight, my competence, my, you know, in, in terms, it, for the purpose of improving my performance. Um, and I wanted to do it, I wanted to be able to control my weight body composition and get in, get to basically a racing weight before I started, say, a marathon training cycle because it's hard to lose weight strength training when you're running, you know, a lot of high volume. So the way I decided to do this was I was going to do... It's hard to lose weight when you're doing a bunch of high volume training? I've Yeah, because if you... For me, yeah, it I is because I've, I try to yeah. make sure I have enough fuel and yeah. you can't really get a caloric deficit. Just, you know, just clarifying you said that right. It is for me. I don't know, Monty, have you experienced that? No, I mean, it, it makes sense from that. Kind yeah. You get well, a little I leaner, eat, but... I eat a lot, probably more than I should, after high volume training. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you eat it fast because you're so hungry. You're just like... Yeah, then you eat a lot, you end up eating a lot more carbs probably yeah. than you really need to function. So my concept was to do this. So I wanted to go lower carb than I do, and I'm, I don't want to. I don't like calling it necessarily low carb because I kind of think that average normal carb intake is too high. So yeah, it's Everybody's low carb. Everybody's got their own definition of low carb. So. Yeah, so it'd be low for me, and probably relatively low is how it ended up. So I thought I would go about that. 
by doing by fo- going on the carnivore diet concept, which is animal products, which is <laughs> basically steak, eggs, occasional cheese, and uh, so I still took in some carbs. You know, I would take I had some sugar-free whole wheat, unenriched flour, bread, and I would try to take in some carbs. So some days I'd always I'd always be about at low forty or fifty carbs a day, grams of carbs, and probably on the high end two or three hundred. But what I screwed it up because three weeks in I decided to do this fundraising challenge of running a hundred miles in a week, and I was not yet. I was still in that transition phase where my energy levels were off. Yeah, it was bad. It was tough. I was really dehydrated starting off when I first started eating really high protein, and maybe you can talk about this. The first like three days when I reduced carb intake drastically, almost none, and just increased protein, I had to urinate all the time. I got I went to the bathroom every half an hour. Yeah, carbs help you hold water. So a lot of time when people go on low carb or keto or you know whatever diet they they get all excited because they lose five to ten pounds that first week yeah. and it's just like water weight they're just flushing out so you are already dehydrated That's and then put that on top of a hundred mile a week yeah it started <laughs> off bad and then i i think there's something to being fat adapted you know and but you have to run at the proper intensity level and i don't think i was there so when i started the hundred mile a week i was i was running and my first run i went out more like i was fully like mm-hmm. I had been, like I, as though I had been eating like I always had eaten, but I hadn't. So I was, I started off the week, it was a struggle. So by, that started on Monday. By Tuesday night, I had run 14 miles on Monday and 14 miles on Tuesday. By Tuesday night, I was craving carbohydrates <laughs> like a crack addict. And I went to Jimmy John's and got the biggest sub sandwich <laughs> I could imagine. And it, it was glorious. But, uh, so that, that week kind of messed it up. So some, and now... I got to feeling better after that, and but some of the results I had from the, I don't know if they're from nutrition or just from a really massive increase in training volume, which I've kind of continued, not that high. But um, so some of the results I had, which are interesting, I thought were, well, what I did was I kept track of weight. I have a scale that does weight, you know, body mass index, body fat, height, water, bone mass, muscle mass. And I don't know how accurate it is, but it seems to be pretty consistent. And I always weighed myself and tested myself at the same time. So I wanted to have some objective measurements just to see what would happen. So in that time, I've lost roughly 8 to 10 pounds. And I didn't have a ton to lose before then. My body fat's down on average about 2.5%. I have a 4-pack. I got a 4-pack. I now have a 4-pack abs, which is pretty impressive if you can see it. I'm not shirtless, so nobody can see it. Um, I thought about putting this on Facebook Live. But I, uh, Monty, you're the producer. Put it off. You got a live But um, I feel really good. Like my energy level is good. And the weird thing, the interesting thing, so, and Mike, I'd like you to talk about this, was how this all affects hunger levels. So I, I, I you never get, you're always, you never get totally full when you eat like a lot of protein. You just get satisfied. You just, you've had enough. Whereas if you try to eat a giant bowl of pasta, you just stuff yourself until you feel like your head's going to explode. And I never really got super hungry either. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I never was really full and I never got really hungry. And that really helped me from wanting to snack all the time on stuff like that. Probably most snack stuff is not going to be good. So is that normal? Is that when you're on higher protein? Yeah, I mean, well, 
it doesn't it's not necessarily the higher protein or the higher car or the lower carb as much as it is just balancing blood sugar so our blood sugar going up and down that's what causes the hunger and the and the thanksgiving dinner like bloated stuff feeling so that might explain so i take my son this is i'm gonna qualify this by saying i teach my son very good habits he runs with our training group before i say this before i say this he runs with our training group three or four days a week. The kid can do burpees. He's three. He can do everything. But every Friday we go to the donut shop. And since I started this, when I eat, a, and I usually don't eat at that time of day. It's like seven in the morning. When I eat a donut at seven in the morning, I feel atrocious for about the next four or five hours. Is that because of blood yeah. sugar? Yeah, most likely. I, mean, I, feel, I feel terrible. Or you should feel a little... I would think you'd feel like kind of good for a little while and then crash. I don't. I think I feel terrible immediately. Yeah. It might yeah. be psychosomatic, but it's. No, I mean, it, it, yeah, there. Some people do both ways, but it depends on. It can depend on how fat adapted you are, and the more fat adapted you are, the more the carbs are going to throw you off. So, like, if you're used to eating that every day, like that, probably did. You probably didn't get that feeling as much when you were eating a lot of carbs. No, uh-uh. no, yeah. I'd, I'd feel fine. I would yeah. just eat it. It had no so effect. The, the question is, like, when people say they have less energy on a lower carb, and which is a lot of people can have lower energy on, on carb or lower carb, but what some people don't realize is when they're on high carb, they have those spikes of energy, but then they also have the crashes. And when they come off of that, they don't have the spikes which makes them say they don't have as much energy, uh-huh. but really they're just more balanced and they have good mental acuity and they're focused, but they don't have these like bursts of energy, which is, which is fine because they don't have the crashes either. And that's really a good explanation. Cause I, I feel balanced when I eat that way. And when I eat anything that's outside of that, I feel unbalanced. I feel yeah. same thing. And, and like being on the 40 to 50 grams car, like that's really low, especially for what you're doing. Um, and you can probably go up a decent amount from that. You just don't need to go back up to whatever you're on for four or 500 grams of carbs. Like you're probably, you can probably get up to a a moderate carb number. We'll call it that still sits in that good level balanced blood sugar. So what, um, so a lot of stuff I've read, you know, a lot of people have concerns about, you know, high fat diets that it's going to, you know, increase your risk of cardiovascular disease or if you have high sodium, blood pressure, higher blood pressure. But a lot of the stuff I've read recently doesn't necessarily say that that's true. Do you know much about that? Is it? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of getting into the stuff where I know like a, enough about it to kind of bring up the topic and then just leave it on the table. And so we need to qualify it. this. We're not yeah. experts. We're just discussing it. Most of your, as far as, we'll just go to cholesterol. That's a, obviously a hot topic, but <clears> with <throat> fat intake, most of your cholesterol is produced in your liver. And so if you're... If your liver is, if something's off with your liver, whether that's eating too much sugar or digestive, your digestive system is off for some reason, then your liver will produce more cholesterol. Cholesterol also, and this is where it gets into, I'm not 100% sure on this, so I may be completely off, but cholesterol also plays a factor in, in balancing blood sugar. And so if, if we're putting a bunch of, ins- or sorry, balancing insulin levels. So if ins- putting a bunch of insulin in the system through eating sugars and your liver has to produce more cholesterol to counterbalance that, then our cholesterol is high. Typically what they see is cholesterol intake, like eggs, fatty meats, 
things like that doesn't play a huge factor in your cholesterol levels. Oh, that's it. That's good because I I really like eating a lot of eggs and now, fatty meats. Obviously, it's been quite enjoyable. I mean, what would be ideal? Would you have gotten your blood work done when you started this and then get it done, you know, now three months later, see the difference. But I've had, and again, this is just anecdotal work. I've had people that have worked with me and this is not specific nutrition plans that I've put them on, but they've gone from eating a bunch of sugar. Like I have one person in particular who's, he owns a um, bakery. And so obviously he's constantly putting sugar in his mouth because he has to taste everything that he cooks. And so literally all day long, he's tasting sugar. Or eating sugar and he went from doing that and he on his own went on a strict paleo diet and actually quit eating the sugar he would still taste it but he would spit it out he literally went that strict on it and went started eating more eggs and like eggs for breakfast and red meat a couple of times a week and he went from his doctor wanting to put him on three different cholesterol medicines to not having high cholesterol at all that's pretty amazing yeah, I wish I, I pre- well, I had blood work done not long before just because I I get blood work done yeah. all the time So I'm always so yeah. cancer-y. But uh, I would be, I want to get that done yeah. now just to see if anything, because I have a history of blood work and I know it's like what the pattern has been. Yeah. But the question would be then is even if it's changed, is it dangerous or is it just right. a change? Yeah. Yeah. And that's. Can you answer that? No. Are you a doctor? Mm-hmm. Can doctors answer that? have uh, a nutritionist on <laughs> but um yeah so that's pretty interesting but i, I it's what about funny. your lean body mass has it changed or does it does it show that it just shows so shows body fat yeah um and then it shows muscle density or muscle mass and bone density so what's your muscle mass? those all stay like those numbers all stay about the same so your muscle mass is the same but you've lost eight pounds eight to ten yeah i mean yeah. it kind of depends on the but and right off the bat, like like you said, in the first two days was like four or five pounds. Right. But it's definitely dope. changed body composition. I I can my clothes fit different. I can tell I'm leaner. Like you know, get more compliments when you have your shirt get off. Get more compliment. Well, no, I don't take the shirt <laughs> off because I have a lot of scars and a lot of weird tan lines. But people do you say you have your shirt off. Right? But you know, there's something to that when like if you get ten yeah. people in two weeks that say yeah. I can tell you've been lifting. Like I had one guy who saw me out running and called and left a voicemail. I was like, you've been working out. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the same thing. Yeah. So that that it's that was your hundred mile week. So well, the hundred mile week, I look like I was going to die of starvation. But you said you were mixing in two or three hundred gram carb days. How often are you doing that? Now you know. Right now, I'm probably. Two or th- I'm probably 150 to 200 a day on average. It, it, you know, the last few days we went out to dinner like every night, and it's yeah. unless you just want to order a hamburger and only eat a hamburger patty, it's about impossible to. Yeah. You know, like this morning we our, I ran with our training group, and then we we went to a local diner, and I just I wanted steak and eggs. They were on a steak, so I just said, just bring me a whole bunch of bacon and no, three eggs, and that was my meal. But. You know, like if you go to the Mexican restaurant, it's you go order fajitas, you just eat the yeah. meat. Yeah, it's just a little more complicated, but I do feel a lot better. Like, I, I, I don't, I haven't hard, I, I hardly have eaten any vegetables, and I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> it's not but good. I don't crave them at all. Like, I have some, I have a few, I but for know, the most part, I don't, I don't know how many people crave vegetables. I think that's just one of those things you know you need to eat, so you eat it. So when I say crave, <laughs> I mean more like if I mine usually what I feel I need to mm, eat. I'm is, really craving some vegetables right now some people do <laughs> my wife does 
Well, and I say crave. I say crave more along the lines of like if my training is suffering, I feel like I'm nutrient deficient in yeah. something. Like I feel like I need this. Yeah. So like if I'm running too hard and I know I have that many carbs, I can feel like I need mm-hmm. something that'll fuel this what yeah. I'm doing. I never at any point have felt like an intrinsic desire yeah. to have a some zucchini. Like it just hasn't come up. Yeah, I think that's pretty rare. <laughs> But I mean, like I, I'll eat some broccoli. I still do, but I don't. Feel, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to have an impact on performance for me. Yeah. I feel like I'm performing and running just as strong or stronger on a very high protein, high fat. It's probably the fat that helps, I suppose. Well, yeah, and two of the main things that we try to, or me as a coach, fitness coach, try to get with people from nutrition is decreased inflammation and. Um, I just completely drew a blank on the other thing. <laughs> Decreased inflammation is one of the oh, balance of blood sugar. I was like, we already talked about it, but those are two of the main things. So like, throw out paleo, keto, high carb, low carb, all that stuff, and if we can get balanced blood sugar and decrease inflammation, then we're that's gonna that in itself is gonna make you feel a lot better. Now, how you get to it, you can get to it a bunch of different ways. Yeah, but um, like instead of getting caught up on some specific nutrition plan like we promote only this diet or whatever it's really trying to figure out those couple of things and an increase in gut health is another thing which goes with inflammation and blood sugar so that's a good point because i had said that like the vehicle i wanted to use to try to manipulate my body was the carnivore concept mm-hmm. so what's the big difference between a carnivore diet paleo keto vegan yeah like what are the big differences? Yeah, well, what are the big, like if people always say like was carnivore diet is that ketogenic and I there's some things that I don't no, eat. Yeah, carnivore wouldn't be ketogenic, but by definition, definition keto is much higher fat and moderate protein because if you eat too much protein, it can be converted into glucose, okay. which therefore gets you out of ketosis. So a keto diet would be high fat, like seventy percent fat, twenty percent protein, and five to ten percent carbs so it's like on a keto you would get that from like nuts you're eating a lot of avocado nuts avocado coconut oil butter those kind of things like cooking cooking your vegetables in a bunch of coconut oil bunch of butter things like that it sounds really good yeah it's just it's not it's not a ton of food like quantity is not very high because fat calories you know for a gram of fat is nine calories a gram of protein and carbs is only four calories. Oh, okay. So it's less less quality of, I mean, quantity of food. So you're just not eating a ton. See, that's what's nice. But about you're the, not hungry because <clears throat> you've got a ton of fuel in you. Too. Well, yeah. that's what's nice about the carnivore is you're you have to put you have to be more intentional about your food. Mm-hmm. You yeah. really have to put some time and effort into what you, what you're going to eat and when. Yeah, but you're not like I used to be so hungry like I couldn't even wait to cook my food because mm-hmm. and I'd snack on something while waiting to cook my food. Um, but it changes your intentionality about it. You have to think more about it. Well, and that could be a big part of it, and that's where when I'm coaching people, a lot of where I start with people is just getting people to digest things better, which is simply like sitting down, chewing your food, you and you're chewing and it a thousand enjoying times. your meals, preparing your meals, like just you mindfully preparing your meals is making you digest the food better than 
what you were doing before because you just weren't thinking about it before. I've never quite been sold on your, like, you have to chew every bite. Was it 16,000 times? I heard a story the other day. The first time I went and spoke at Stinky Feet, and you leaned over to your friend next to you, who is also a friend of mine, and said, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So I do. I, have, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I just heard this last week. Well, my point there was... <laughs> Like, I, I don't, don't even remember what I was talking about at that thing. I know what you were talking about, but we're talking about nutrition. We'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> just saying, you, were you went so, from not believing me, and then you came to my gym, and now we're doing a podcast I together. still think you were wrong about that. Okay. I don't know what I was talking about. So. I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> but, uh, so we, you were, so that's keto. So then what's paleo? What's the difference between that? Paleo is meats and nuts, veggies, uh, no starch, no sugar, and that's pretty much it. Hunter-gatherer diet. So what could, if you think about what now, and then the question is, well, depending on the area of where they were on planet Earth, the Paleolithic, they different things. But, so that that's essentially the Paleo diet, though. Nuts and seeds, meats and veggies, little fruit, no starch, no sugar. And then, yeah, okay, and then the carnivore is just animal products. Yeah. That's what, at least how I did it, yeah. for the most part, was just, and I... The other thing I started to learn, I didn't really, chicken didn't satisfy me as much because it's yeah, not as pretty lean. Yeah. So like fat, I, the fattier is really the better and it generally tastes better too. Yeah, and there's more nutrients in that as well. Um, and then you got like more quantity-based diets, which would be like a zone diet is 40% carbs, 30% protein, 30% fat. So you can eat whatever quality of food you want in there, but you're sticking to those ratios. So what, like, is it, let's say you're trying to pick what kind of, and I, like my wife always, she'll tell people, like, our families come over and they brought potato salad, and my wife was like, oh, Jeremy's not going to eat that, he's on a diet. And I was like, no, I'm not on a diet. I just, I'm just adjusting my nutrition intake concept. Are you going to do this forever? Right now, because I really feel fantastic. Yeah. And I, yeah, don't, I, mean, I don't feel good when I eat the other way. I think I interrupted you or you didn't finish your thought. Were you asking how do you, where do you start or which one? Yeah, you like how do you pick? How do you start? Does it depend on what your goal is? Like if your goal is performance, is do you choose? Like, and, yeah, and I mean like if your goal is CrossFit performance, then we're not going on a keto diet, like plain and simple. But um, so yeah, I mean that's definitely, your function is a big part of it. What is your What is your function? Your function is what you do day in and day out. All right, why not? keto if you're doing crossfit because the intensity of it you have to have sugars to fuel that intensity so then what like if you're a crossfitter what what diet is best well you're or you know yeah you want to get to where you are comfortable utilizing both fats and protein so your blood sugar is not all over the place but it's going to go on the higher carb side like especially my competitor competitive people like i have like holly the Regionals girl who here, who's here, she's she's 400 grams of carbs a day. Her volume's wow. high too. Yeah, her, her training high. volume is high and her intensity is high. Well, this is. But no, I would never. I wouldn't put any other female on on that. She's eating more than 3,000 calories a day and 400 grams of carbs. So let me ask you this: Has she ever tried something that's much lower carb? Much lower fat. I mean. She's been lower. She's been as low as like 250 grams of carbs, and she just. Like because it's her, what's her well. what's her weekly like training volume in in time? 
she does um, five days a week. She has two sessions that are an hour to 90 minutes. So we'll call it two and a half hours a day minimum. And then on her recovery day on Thursday, she does three 45 minute easy aerobic sessions. And then on Sunday, she's a full rest. Because then that brings me to my question. Like if I do, so I run six, seven to eight hours a week. And I usually bike on the trainer two to three hours a week and then strength stuff, you know, maybe 30 minutes, three or four times a week. So why, why would it work for me to be on low carb and not her? Because the intensity, the intensity of the sessions, okay. you, you know, like you know, she's not doing anything. She's not doing a lot of aerobic stuff. She's yeah. Yeah. I mean, half of her stuff is aerobic. The other half is very not aerobic. So she's doing some, she's doing serious strength work and she's doing, I mean, just simple, even, even aerobic work within CrossFit, as you know, just with the different contractions is different. And she can make, you know, not getting that argument again, but she can, <laughs> she can make a lot of stuff aerobic that you wouldn't think, but it's still the amount of contractions and the amount of tissue breakdown from the eccentric contractions is a lot different. Just as you, oh, okay, sure. if you went from just running to doing more of what you're doing of, of mostly riding, it's, it's totally different because the contractions in running are a lot different than contractions in riding. She can probably... So the intensity in, in riding, even if you go hard, the intensity in riding is going to be lower on your body and your nervous system running, than running. Yeah. She could probably... Can she do more high-intensity stuff because of the variations of her move, movements versus running? Yeah. You, you're doing the same movement over and over. You can't... She can, she can do it because she's built the volume up, really, is what it comes down to. You gotta be loud. Because even, okay. even if you, I mean, just because you change up the contractions doesn't mean you can, like if, if I gave you 100 wall balls today, doesn't mean you could go do 100 kettlebell swings tomorrow. Oh, here goes the wall ball, the aerobic wall ball. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that you can't do that. That's not why she can do more volume. It's because she's done it a, a thousand yeah. times. Yeah. A million times. We're going to have to talk about the great aerobic wall ball discussion. Oh, we have talked about it. We talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it okay. on the first podcast. Well, it always needs to be revisited because I'm <laughs> still convinced. You just like right. saying you're right. We we yeah. talked about that. We, oh, you that got is, me to admit on. Oh, that's right. I did. I forgot I about wrong. that. And you just said it again. <laughs> it's documented twice. It is documented twice. <laughs> All right, I got another question for you that kind of veers off. So when I had um, James Fitzgerald on yeah. a couple weeks ago, um, who is if you don't know, you should go back and listen because he's. You want some high level? Oh, thank you. I mean, because of him mainly, because I was lost most of the time. <laughs> he was so smart and is such high level that I, a lot of times, could not even formulate a good follow up question <laughs> because it was like it was like a scientist telling me about like something really scientific, and I'm like a four year old. Like, I don't know. What Do you have is. this thought? Well, like, can you hold this thought for a second? I want to say a story. Okay. About him. Sure. Yeah. He, I heard him talking about nutrition the other day, and he made a really good point of we everybody in just today's society and what where we are now everybody comes into looking at nutrition with a bias of weight loss and what if we came into it what like what if the whole background story with everybody was gut health or what if the whole background story for everybody in nutrition was vitality and mental acuity how how would that change the way we look at nutrition because if anybody asks you a question about nutrition they're asking you because of body composition yeah so how does that skew the back end yeah it's a yeah. good question I yeah, thought that was it, a really interesting point 
Because I think I could have started this without, like, I could have gone to this and said, I really just want to improve my performance. Yeah. Well, and, and we're we're biased in that, but like majority of the people, like my mom, for instance, like she doesn't work out. She's not. She she walks. She's not interested in performance. So what majority of the people should be interested in is just vitality and living a full life and having good energy and feeling good. Which ultimately would probably lead to more which activity, would lead, which would lead to probably better body composition. Yeah, it yeah. would. But instead of starting with body because if you start with body composition, that's what brings in all these things like if it fits your macros and uh, things like that that aren't necessarily the healthiest internally from a gut standpoint and from a nutrient standpoint, but you can get away with it because it fits your calorie balance. Yeah. And, I mean, I think, isn't, wouldn't you, don't you think it's probably true, like, some people probably operate and have higher performance and gut health if they're on a vegan yeah. diet or keto, and some might, like, like this one seems to agree with me. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. I feel fine. I feel yeah. fantastic. Yeah, there's so, some many, people might so many factors that go into it. I mean, your background, your family history, you know, where your family is from, your how you were born, like there's so many different factors that go into it. So there's not a one size fits all in nutrition. So I worry about that a lot with my son because we're not, you know, he's really picky, not really picky. He's picky enough to where it makes it hard to mm-hmm. really, like I couldn't feed him the same diet that I'm on. I probably he eat. <laughs> could, he probably just wouldn't eat. Like, so I mean, that's, it's tough because like we've talked about this in one of the podcasts earlier. I always talk about a baseline that you create for your children whether it's in activity, whether it's in behavior, whether it's in nutrition, like you create this baseline and mm-hmm. I'm trying to create a decent baseline for trying my kid, create, but doing it in nutrition is tough. Create resiliency. Because the, the better that platform can be, the more resilient to stuff later on he's gonna be. The more resilient he's gonna be to be able to eat donuts and be fine, the more resilient he's gonna be. Because I have clients that like, they can't touch any of that stuff or that it completely throws them off because of some of their background. Whereas I think all three of us here can, like I can go eat something bad and be fine the next day. So how do you do that? Like how do you teach them? Like, I'm just saying that's what we're trying to do with, with what we're talking about. It's just we're trying to do as best we can to set up their foundation to be as good as possible. Okay, so what does that look like? I mean, I don't know the answer <laughs> to that. They're not, I mean, yeah, I don't know the answer. The other end of the spectrum that I always fought, go back to myself is, I was I was a C-section baby. I was not breastfed, oh, yeah. and I mean, look at me. So it can work without it. Is that good or yeah, bad? Or what? Okay. <laughs> I think there is something to it. I mean, sorry, was, you were going towards something. I interrupted you and said, "Hold that thought." So oh, I still got that thought on hold. But I think like um, our son was breastfed, and he was he grew he and I I mean he just was really he's always been really healthy. I mean, typically and, doctors can tell like he's a breastfed baby, right? Yeah. There's something that's interesting too. We'll dive into breastfeeding on another podcast. No, what I was going to say is when I talked to James, Monty and I have talked about this separately, but one of our favorite moments of that podcast was when I had said that I went to Mike originally to kind of break through this plateau. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. And, uh, is this a Mike roast? Yeah. Roasting podcast? <laughs> yeah, the Mike roast. We're putting Mike on the spot today. But uh, he said, yeah, that's back when he probably, he, he said, you were probably doing some of that old school Mike yeah. McElroy stuff. Yeah. So I really want to, like, what's the difference between what's he saying or what's your opinion? What's old school Mike McElroy? What's new school Mike McElroy? Like, what's, what are we talking about here? Well, considering I met him in 2009, which is when I opened the gym, there's not a whole lot before 
his influence came in. So, but what he's referring to is classic CrossFit versus the way we kind of go about things. Okay, that's what so I thought. Classic CrossFit would be like all your every day you go in and do a quote unquote Metcon, which is a five to twenty minute max effort of two to five movements. That's classic CrossFit. There's no real design as far as training, trying to hit specific energy systems or hit specific, you know, weight training protocols or anything like that, which is what he was referencing. And I don't remember, I don't really remember the exact, what y'all were talking about at the time. But I was just saying that I had, um, kind of similar to this nutrition thing, I had kind of, I felt plateaued from an endurance and performance standpoint where I just, I wasn't getting, I was doing a whole lot of work with little result. I wasn't mm-hmm. responding anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, but probably that's some of that's mental, some of it's physical. But then I had gone, Monty had started going to your gym, and then I came in, and it, it kind of sparked something. It mm-hmm. changed things out, and I think that's that's still continuing. Um, but I then I started to plateau a little bit again, and now I introduced some more strict nutrition stuff. But that's because you quit coming to the gym. <sighs> that's true. You know what? You hurt me. <laughs> it hurt. You know, I why, you know what you. happened? You made me do overhead squats. I didn't make you do overhead squats. And I squats. basically forced myself into doing overhead squats. And I, I didn't hurt. make you do overhead squats. You asked me about that later, and I said, you probably don't need to do overhead squats. You're a runner. You don't. What 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 does it do to your function to be able to do an overhead squat? This well, was after the fact, and you'd already done it. Yeah, well, everybody, you know, there's a lot of peer pressure there to do overhead squats. Monty's doing like 700-pound overhead squats, and he weighs yep. 130. Monty was a good overhead squatter. Terrible. <laughs> better but, shoulder mobility than all of us. But no, I was always wondering what the big difference was between like, you know, what's changed in your approach, either nutritionally, or mentally. I just I was listening to James talk about some of the stuff. I was trying to. I wish I had made some notes before we yeah. talked today about some of the things he said because I was I I need more insight into some of those things because he's he's a deep. Yeah, deep thinker, and he's obviously had what a few years. Was it the wall ball? The aerobic wall ball. Did you talk that about again? that? He said that's classic. <laughs> Old school Mike McElroy. Well, we we think about what, and we may have talked about this on the on the wall ball episode last time, but um, what? Because you know, there's some people that can't make running aerobic if they haven't yeah, if they sure. haven't done it enough, and that's what the, what we later conversed about was in order to make wall balls or any other movement aerobic, you have to do, you have to spend time there and do a bunch of contractions there, which is why both of us say that, both of us agree that volume needs to come first with running programs, because you've got to build the volume first. And so that's why I can make wall balls more aerobic than either of you, just because I've done a ton of them over time. Could you have given him a lighter ball? much lighter ball maybe not because it, it still may not have been light enough we might could have done air squats yeah and that and that could have could have done it and but let's, my performance wasn't that bad I no it wasn't bad no he stayed the I same as me or maybe it was still ahead of me it was just hurt worse than it did me yeah it hurt a lot worse <laughs> but I couldn't go any faster but it still hurt him worse significantly so and I remember I was thinking because at one point also we had a conversation about aerobic wall balls and I was like, I can't do them aerobically because you're setting the weight. Yeah. Say it's do it pretty un- much a set unbroken, tempo. like everything's set. So how? Like the only thing, the only variable is how can I do it aerobically? I would, and I, I couldn't do yeah. it. I have a lot of people that can't run aerobically, 
and have a really hard time trying to find a way for them to manage it. And, then and that's where some of the people, Daniel's maybe one of them, some of the people, some of the old school coaches say like, you should build your walking distance yeah. up to like whatever. Yeah. And then go from there. I have a, and I've accomplished that more with our with the training program. Is that people have a, they've embraced aerobic work. They embrace walking. That's the long term approach, and it it yields better results in the long term and healthier results in the long term. But it's you got to be patient. People hate people it. Don't I mean, do. Monty's wife does not enjoy aerobic. Like she, it's not that she doesn't like the aerobic part. It's like she does. It, she doesn't like the pace that it yeah. requires to stay aerobic. It's so many people that like that, and they think they're aerobic. She doesn't like Isaac work either, though. What does she like? Middle, she middle zone? I thought she did. I don't know. She doesn't like... I, I don't think she minds, from what I talked to her about, she doesn't mind the aerobic feeling of running. She doesn't like looking at the watch yeah, yeah. and thinking, oh, I should be running a lot faster than this. Why am I running so slow? Yeah. You know, and I always tell people, like Jack Daniels had talked about this when we us three went to the clinic, like... If you, whatever your goal is, whether it's aerobic, you know, anaerobic, whatever you're doing, the purpose, there's a window there that you're, you get, are getting the same results. So like for me, mm-hmm. if I run aerobic, if I run between 845 and 945, it's all aerobic, depending on fatigue and mm-hmm. weather and a lot of other factors, probably stress, emotion, it could be mm-hmm. anything. But the faster the the faster I run within that window, I'm actually doing myself a little bit of a disservice because I'm training less time and yeah. I'm working harder, and it's more likely that I'm not truly aerobic. If you if you burn out and can't hold that pace for the later sets, right? Yeah. But I mean, if if it tells me I can run eight forty five, nine forty five, and get the same physiological results yeah. by doing either, yeah. you're better off to do it slower because you're less likely to get injured. You're less likely yeah. to get out of aerobic. We should do a, a whole podcast on a review of that course. On Jack Daniels? Yeah. We can, and if you're wondering who Jack Daniels is, we're not talking about Jack Daniels, <laughs> the liquor. We were talking about Coach Jack Daniels, who was a legendary running coach, and myself and Mike and Monty all went to listen to him speak. We went to his coaching clinic, That's which good. was interesting. That's probably what triggered this podcast, really, is because I was so surprised that CrossFit Mike was going to a <laughs> running coach clinic. Awesome. Who I knew about, which I'm so surprised when I mentioned that name to people. They don't know who he is. They don't know him as well. He's not as uh, publicly known as some of those other, like Hal Higdon is a real. And McMillan. Like, they're the ones that come up on. They have the free uh, training plan that you can download. And I'm not so certain that some of those, like McMillan, some of their concepts aren't based on Jack Daniels' research. I mean, he's quite a bit older than all of them. But I don't know. It's just been interesting to see. And I think people I know in my training group are always looking for some edge, and I want to, I, I want to, I want a lot of them to take the next step, and I want to start bringing nutrition into what they're doing. But again, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. It's probably like illegal in the state of Mississippi for me to tell somebody what to eat and yeah. how to do nutrition. So, how do you manage your? This might be a dicey question. I'll put you on the spot, but how do you manage your clients as far as nutrition? How do you? Yeah. No, I mean most of it. I don't give specific meal plans. Most of it is, like I said, a lot of the stuff we start with is really simple habits that are good for just long term. And once they get past that, once we, you know, basic water intake, basic food hygiene principles, you know, sitting down and chewing your food and things like that, um, 
a lot of people have to stay there for a long time and they want to figure that out and getting digested down how many bowel movements are you having a day how often are you going to the bathroom things like that and and then from there we just start focusing on quality of food and increasing quality of food and that may be changing um maybe changing like a a subway sandwich to a, a home cooked sandwich on wheat bread and like something that simple or a steak um, just change it to a steak yeah just change it to a steak but something really simple like that like maybe they go from not eating breakfast to having a protein shake with some uh fruits and veggies mixed in or something and then they go to uh yogurt with something which is, is so the first step is not always necessarily the ideal step but it's a step in the right direction so just really small so what's i mean does anybody really need supplements not for a long time i mean that there there are uses for them but until you have all the other stuff dialed in then you're just you're fighting upstream so you should be able to get everything you really need it depends on your function like if you're training hard like you and and like some of my competitors like there's there's needs for other stuff but again and i don't remember if james talked about this or not but like the 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 path to elite performance is not the same path to elite wellness if there's such a term sure yeah wellness. yeah that may, yeah so that's like, kind of what i was talking about it's two different paths and that's the that's where people get it gets clouded because people think that if they go if they chase performance then they'll achieve their their real goal which is just health and wellness and that's the conversations the life coaching conversations that i have with people is like you don't really want to go to regionals to use an extreme example and i don't have a lot of people saying that to me anymore but you don't really want to get a muscle up or you don't really want to get the snatch you really just want to be healthy and be able to play with your kids so let's just go after that instead of this other stuff yeah and then if you can get some of you can get what would be considered relatively elite performance elite yeah. performance for yourself that's yeah. probably good see that's interesting because my concept here is has been less focused on wellness and more on yeah change performance mm-hmm. based i'm hoping that it also results in yeah well some wellness and there's i mean you, you can obviously like when we're training people like when i'm training like holly for instance like we're not purposely going unhealthy like she's still trying to stay as healthy as possible while chasing this extreme performance knowing that it's just not going to happen like she's not going to be as quote-unquote healthy as, as possible well we still look at things like getting enough nutrients and get enough vitamins and getting enough um, fats for her hormone levels and making sure cycle stays regular as long as possible and things like that but there's times of the year where it's not going to be and that's okay we accept that but it's it's interesting for people who aren't competitors they can't get why you would want to do that if it's not ultimately healthy right but it's just part of it so do you have an and can you voice an opinion on what was like opinion or anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> like if you could choose one nutrition diet concept for the majority of people, like what would that look like? Would it be really balanced, just for wellness, for hap- like for happiness, for family, for yeah. kids, like whole like, foods? So Plain what does simple. that mean? Like if if it, I mean, you're if not it doesn't about have the whole foods store, you're well, talking I mean, about that's a good start too. But <laughs> no, I mean like like actual food like it was either an animal at one time or it was grown at one time or it doesn't have a, a bunch of different yeah not processed I mean just start there is it pretty much that simple it, it, it can be really that simple less and sugar then, yeah but you're going to get that by going not processed 
we eat pure sugar, right? Whole sugar. I mean, I guess you could. <laughs> you just you have the outliers. You have the outliers like money. Sugar cane peel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know how that works, but just eating <laughs> sugar. Yeah, I mean, you, you can do that. You can just douse everything with honey, which is natural yeah. and unprocessed. But. That sounds really good. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it, it starts there. I mean, if, you, if most people go into their kitchen and take out everything that's processed, they're most likely going to be less, left with not very much. So why is that so hard for people to do? I mean, I found it hard for myself. I've had, I found it hard. It doesn't taste as go good. It's not as easy. I don't know what cost peace means. Oh, and uh, it's not as easy to. Yeah, it's not as easy. Yeah. You can't. You can't drive through. You can't travel with it as much. You can't. You can't have to think about what you cook. You have to prepare it. Like it just comes down to choices, and it's. Yeah. Which makes sense. And I've experienced that through this nutrition concept was it just change. I'd rarely go out. I rarely go anywhere for lunch now. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a problem for some people because they <clears throat> they don't have time. Like, I'm, I'm working from home a lot, so mm-hmm. I have, I can, I can run, I can come home, and at 10 or 10.30, I can make myself a bacon and egg breakfast, <laughs> and I have time to do that. But it takes time, I and mean, it takes a lot of effort. Um, and it's a little, you know... Like feeding your kids, everything that kids like is processed. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. Like, other than fruit. My kid likes fruit. Yeah, because it's sweet. <laughs> but he'll eat, like, one night his whole meal was just grapes. He just ate, like, 10,000 grapes. Yeah. Which I guess is better than eating 10,000 goldfish crackers, but. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's tough to do. Yeah, no, it is. Slide you know, a pork chop in front of him. Yeah. I have three kids, and it's not, yeah, there's no easy way to go about it. You do have three. I've been thinking two the whole time. I forgot you have a third one now. I mean, she just drinks milk, but... Bars. (laughs) Maybe you should try doing one of those... You should try doing the thing where you, like, raise your kid, like, uh, who is that that quarterback from Southern California that back in the 80s, and he was raised to be a, like, a... He was going to be, like, he couldn't have a soda. He couldn't have... He was... Todd Marinovich. And then once he got loose he just went wild and he was <laughs> doing drugs and I, mean, I think he's still having yeah. some problems today but he was so strict because his dad was going to turn him into the greatest yeah. quarterback so ever psychological issues there oh yeah which I think I think uh, I don't know if y'all still interact with Rebecca Turner but I think her book addresses some of that stuff oh, does like it? There's, I, I think so um, there's there's so many and that's why like everybody starts you ask me where I start with people and it's like Everybody starts with such a different back background and baggage of what how they perceive nutrition that you got to start with everybody a little bit different. I thought maybe I had her book here, but I don't. I always liked her concepts of nutrition. It was she didn't focus on like like what you can't do. Yeah. It was more like just do these, just do yeah. these things, and it's okay to make a mistake once in a yeah. while. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned earlier, like if people try to overcomplicate it. And the other thing is, like, a lot of people try to overcomplicate it when they don't really know why they're even doing it. So, like, a, a lot of people, for women to be at a quote-unquote healthy body composition, it's really not as lean as most females think. And so, and the other, the question with that is, like, one, do you are you wanting to do it for health or are you wanting to do it because of body composition? And if you're wanting to get to 10% body fat, just to exaggerate it, like, why do you want to get to 10% body fat? You're not happy with your own body for some certain reason. Why are you not happy with your own body for this reason? 
Um, is it relationship problems? Is it childhood problems? Is it what's going on? Um, and the other thing is, like, I think I talked about this on a previous podcast that we did, but Precision Nutrition has this uh, long article of what it takes to get to like eight yeah. percent body fat. That's what triggered my whole. And thing at the here. end of it, it's like, do you still want to get to eight percent body fat? Because this is what it takes. Yeah. It's like, eh, not really. <laughs> your comment. We were at your gym, and you commented on that, and that's what planted this seed. Was like, I'm gonna try something. I'm gonna try to figure out what I can do to get down to probably not eight percent, but down yeah. closer. Well, and guys can get closer to that easier than yeah. females can, which is is good. But just that little comment you made just made me think, oh, I'm not doing what it takes to get to, to yeah. achieve the things I want. Like, I think I do for like a day or two, and then I yeah. don't. I didn't give, I didn't sell, I didn't go all in on it. Yeah. I didn't sell myself. Well, that's why, it. that's why with a lot of my clients, like I use, I use Holly as an example, because like she tracks her sleep. She tracks every single thing that she puts in her mouth. She tracks, I mean, she tracks everything. And if you, if you really want what, whatever it is you're saying you want, you'll do those little things. Like if you really want to challenge you, if you really want to qualify for the Boston Marathon, like you'll do all the little bitty things that it takes to get there. Thanks for challenging me, Mike. And then, that's what I'm trying to do, yeah. yeah. Qualify for Boston, you do what it takes, you get it done, and it's done. If you want to have a certain body body do what it takes to get there, can you sustain it? I mean, how, (laughs) you have to keep yeah. Doing it yeah. to sustain it. Can you, can you? I don't know. And that's why it goes back to health. Like, like what is what is health? And it, there's mental health. There's you know all these different things. When you get to that position, one, are you even going to be happy? And that's where I challenge a lot of females. Like, what's this going to get you? When you get to this body composition that you have in your head of what you want to be, what then what? Yeah, like he's getting at. It's not necessarily an end point. Yeah. It's just a point in time. Because no, typically they get there and they still aren't happy with their body. They still don't enjoy what they're doing. And so all that was for nothing, and they still aren't there. It's added stress. Yeah. Too, to yeah. maintain it. Yeah, I don't... I was lucky, you know, when I started... Like, your comment on the... To get to 8% was... The reason I... It was, you know, get... If you want to get from 25% to 8% body fat, these are the things you have to do. And then I thought, well, I'm not a 25% body fat. I mean, yeah. I'm probably half that, yeah. roughly. I didn't know. So... Well, so I thought, well, geez, I can actually do that. So yeah, I, and I thought I have to do something different, different. and this might yeah. be the next step. Yeah, it just triggered something. So there, you're. Thank you. We'll <laughs> you're see welcome. if it works. I mean, I'll probably end up injured and I'll have cardiovascular disease. You already and, said it works. No, I haven't qualified for Boston yet. Oh, that's why you were doing it. Well, I want to do it to, for performance. Yeah. Which ultimately. Do you have a race plan to be your qualifying race? Sort of. I uh, so I'm doing the Spartan Ultra. How long time? Uh, good. Or fifty two. So I'm I'm doing the Spartan Ultra. Oh yeah. It used to be called Spartan Ultra Beast, which is an ultra. It's like a fifty k with sixty obstacles. Which I've never done an obstacle course race before. But I'm kind of. That's the how I roll. But I. Uh, I uh, I've been. I'm, I want to. Garage, I've created a whole garage, a man cave here that is basically a perfect Spartan training place, and I've started working on that kind of stuff. But I really, then after that, so I'm going to build volume um, so running. 50k is how many miles? 30, 31. So it's 30, 31 miles, and then it's, I think it's 60 obstacles. I think you do a loop, right. one loop twice. So it's about 30 obstacles a loop. Being out there. 
Well, I don't know, but I want to have a really good performance. Like I'm training hard. I'm going to do volume. I'm going to do. I'm going to train for all the obstacles. I'm working on everything. I want to be lean. I want to be fast. I want to be strong when I go. Like I'm not. And then this if I can October. do that, this Octo- end of October, and then in early December is a marathon in um, the Gulf Coast Marathon at, in Biloxi. Man, I was thinking about that, try that this weekend or this past couple of weeks, spending time on the coast, and I've been doing early morning aerobic stuff. It is so humid down there. Yeah. And I was just thinking about our race that we did in Baton Rouge. Louisiana, yeah. It's so humid down there. How does, like, what, I wanted to talk about that, but maybe we'll save this for the next podcast. I want to talk about how people can train in the heat, like how they have to adjust and adapt for seasonal (laughs) adaptations. Yeah. You know, if you have to, if you should cycle down, cycle up, stuff like that, but... Well, yeah, we've gone about 55 minutes, so we uh, probably should sign off on this one. And I might want to edit the first part of that podcast. No, the first part, <laughs> we're starting off with a, with a blast, <laughs> the urine. So Mike says, if you're wondering, if you don't remember, Mike says, take a lot of vitamins, then sell your urine. Yep. Entrepreneur, man. I think you're onto something. All right, well, let's sign off on this one. Monty, Monty Young, thank you for... Uh, <laughs> He's eating a chicken breast <laughs> right now. He came over and ate all the protein I had left. Trying to be fat at Chew it well. So, Monty, for th- thanks for being uh, the newest producer on the program or whatever. we got to think of a title for you. A what? Fact checker. Fact checker. He's a fact checker. He's the quiet voice on here. We can't get him to move closer to the microphone. He's intimidating. But anyway, all right, guys. Thanks for coming on, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>